before Dr. Burgraff comes up, I wanted to give him a brief introduction. Um, I, uh, I'm really excited to have, um, I, I know him as Andy, and uh, you can call him Andy. Uh, his dad is Dr. Burgraff, uh, Dr. B. Um, and uh, if, you've, if you've heard Dr. B preach, um, you might see some similarities in his son. Um, I, do, I do appreciate that about them, but um, I, really, I, I really enjoy Andy. I've had him in class um, as a professor, and he teaches um, Christian, he's an adjunct professor of Christian education, as well as the director of student services for the seminary. So if you want to uh, take classes at the seminary, this is the guy to talk to right here. He'll tell you all about it. Um, but anybody we brought in here will tell you all about the seminary, and I'll tell you all about it and tell you to take classes too. But um, I'm just really excited to have him because I, I got to take a class with him about um, evangelism and discipleship. And um, that's one of the things that we've been um, burdened with here at the, the college ministry um, is uh, discipleship, but also the first kind of step of discipleship is evangelism. And that's one of the things that we've, we've tried to bring in uh, to the ministry as well. And so um, I don't want to steal all of his thunder, but that's kind of what he's going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks with us. Um, and so just uh, give a warm welcome to Andy as he comes uh, to teach us this week. Thank you, Noah. Appreciate it. Um, I'm going to pass these around. This is not a sales pitch, but um, it is a little QR code that I made up regarding the seminary. And uh, we've got programs, and I'd love to chat some more. I'm going to be with you for the next three weeks. But we kind of made a bridge uh, uh, degree, if I could say that. Where a lot of you coming out of college, you're in the you're in the study mode, you're you're doing it full time, and we kind of did a bridge master's degree where you can do a one year program, and at the end of it, you walk away with a master's degree. Um, it's an intensive program, uh, but it's awesome uh, to give you a real strong biblical worldview. And uh, you guys may know Jimmy Carter; he may have spoken in here before. He's the one that directs that. And so that's a little QR code on the back. So if I get boring today, just go to the QR code. All right, and you can play around on the website, uh, but that just takes you there to our website, answer some questions about the seminary, but I'm around to chat with you about that over the next couple weeks as well. Noah asked me to come in and speak. We were actually going to do this last fall, and then uh, calendars didn't work out for everybody, and so he invited me to come and do the first part, and then the last two weeks uh, we've gotten snowed out or iced out or whatever, so I'm here uh, with you guys now over the next three weeks. And Noah asked me to speak on evangelism. Now, for a lot of you, you're probably going, I, yeah, I, I know evangelism, okay? But what we're going to do is take a kind of a different approach to this, all right? This week is kind of really challenging our hearts. Do we see people the way Christ sees people, in the way Christ sees us? And so it's kind of to speak to our hearts a little bit this morning. And then the next couple of weeks are going to get real practical, where we talk about how do we do this? How do we do this effectively? How do you do this at NC State? How do you do this at wherever you go, Meredith or, or Wake Tech or wherever the Lord has you? Um, how do I do this on a practical basis? And so we're going to, we're going to kind of move this um, from kind of a heading type thing to real practical for you. Because I am really practical. All right, You get a lot of these preachers and speakers that kind of preach up here. That is not how I operate. Okay, Noah knows firsthand I'm much more about our hearts and real practical are we doing this? Okay, and so I teach evangelism and discipleship here at the seminary as well as Christian education classes And so we're going to be talking on some of these things and this was actually a message I preached in chapel and Noah wanted me to come and share it with you guys this morning So if you have your Bibles turn to Luke chapter 5 Luke chapter 5 
We're going to take about 20, 25 minutes, go through this passage, and I'll give you some uh, time at the end to talk in groups and work on a couple questions I've prepared for you uh, here today. Luke chapter 5, we're going to look at a story from the life of Jesus. Powerful story. One you may have heard, um, but I don't know if you've seen it kind of this way before, where we're going to talk about this gentleman that comes to Jesus, and Jesus radically alters his life, and he sees him very different. And I want to ask you a couple questions as we get started. Do you see people around you the way Jesus sees people? I'm going to be honest. I don't. Okay, I'm just going to be frank with you. When I'm driving down the road and that idiot cuts me off in traffic, what's your first thought? I want to ride that dude. Yes, I want to ride that dude into the rail. Okay, that's like really what I think too. All right, or the neighbor is just being like an idiot. Okay, and I, you guys probably live in dorms or apartments or whatever, and you got that dude blasting the music all night long or something, and it annoys you. Okay, or you have—I I better not use too many illustrations. I'll get myself in trouble. But there's people around you, and and they annoy you. And let's be honest, a lot of times people do annoy us, right? Or we see people and we're going, my goodness, that person's kind of like gross. I, I wouldn't spend any time with that person, whether it's the way they live or the way they hold themselves or conduct themselves. And a lot of times we spend our time judging people. Let's just be honest. And I don't know if we necessarily see people around us the way Jesus did. In this story, you're going to learn that. There was a guy that came to Jesus that no one wanted to be around. But Jesus reached out in incredible love to this person. So the question, especially when we come to evangelism, do we really, truly love people around us? We're actually called to do that. Many of you here today are going, hey, we're going to talk about evangelism. I get a free ride because that's like not for me. That's for like the pastors and like Noah and these people up on stage. That's not true. All of us are called to share our faith. And I'm going to challenge you over the next few weeks. You all have a what I call a sphere of influence. That God has brought into your life for a specific reason. And your sphere of influence is not my sphere of influence. You know college friends, teachers, roommates, people on the dorm floor that I don't know, that Noah doesn't know, that others in this room don't know. And God has uniquely placed you there because you are to be salt and light. That's for all of us, as it says in Matthew chapter 5. And that's your sphere of influence. And so my question for you is, are you reaching your sphere of influence? Are you standing out for Christ with them? If I went to your dorm floor, if I went to your apartment complex and I said, point out the room that has the Christian living in, would they point to your floor? Would they point to your apartment? Would they point to, well, that's, that's the one that's a Christian here. Or do we just blend in and look like everybody else? 
think part of the reason for that is we don't see people the way Jesus sees people. And we're going to see that here today. Luke chapter 5, we're looking at just three verses here. There's an interesting story that happens in the life of Jesus. And it has to do with a leper. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 12, it says, While he was in one of the cities, that's Jesus, there came a man, and notice this, it says, full of leprosy. I'll get to that in a little bit. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him. Powerful story. Quick one. If you were reading through this in your devotions, you might see it and go, oh, that's kind of a cool story, and just keep right on rolling. But I want to pause for a second and talk really about what is truly happening in this story. What is taking place here between Jesus and this man? If you're taking notes, I know that's kind of like a classic old school. You guys probably don't take notes anymore. Or you got to do them on your phone. Do you guys take notes on phones? Or do you still, you guys are not, what a different technological age. The girls, I see, I see, girls got like these thick, huge notebooks. I see that. <laughs> guys are like, dude, I'm just going to put it on my iPhone. All right. If you're taking notes, here you go. All right. Number one, Jesus saw the man's condition. Jesus saw this man's condition. You go, well, duh. No, let's talk about it. This disease called leprosy is not something you're necessarily familiar with. You know maybe a little bit about it, but this was a horrific, horrific disease. This was the killer in that day and age. And this was totally life-altering if you got this disease. Let's talk about some of the consequences of this. Jesus saw where this guy was coming um, coming to him with and what he was looking like and, and not only just physically but what was going on spiritually physically when we talk about leprosy this was a horribly horribly painful disease if you break out a medical journal and i wouldn't recommend that i thought about this because noah asked for slides and i thought about putting like lepers up on there but that would probably gross you out okay so we're not going to do that but leprosy would actually attack your joints and they would be these nodules, and it would make things swell. And you've maybe seen this in some movies. Basically, what would happen is where it would swell in the joints, you would lose fingers. And so people's fingers would fall off. Their toes would fall off. Sometimes their nose would fall off. You're going, yikes. Yep, absolutely. The pain that went with disease is unlike anything you've ever experienced. So when this, it says a leper comes to Jesus, there's a lot behind just a simple, there's a leper here. This man is going through incredible, incredible physical pain. But that's not the only thing he's experiencing. This guy is going through incredible social pain. See, in biblical times, what would happen is if you got leprosy, they immediately yanked you out of the camp. They immediately yanked you out of the community. And here's why. It was such a deadly disease, everybody was terrified that they would get it. Take COVID and rapid it, ratchet it up like a thousand percent. I've had COVID. You get kind of sick for a couple weeks. It kind of stinks, but you move on. All right. This isn't, this isn't leprosy. 
If you get leprosy, it's an immediate death sentence. There is no cure. You're going through all this pain, agony. And so it was horrific that you had to just yank people out of this family. So this is a gentleman. It says he's a man that comes. This man probably has a family. If you get a leprosy, immediately yanked out of your family. You can no longer see your wife. You can no longer see your kids. They yank you out of the community and you have to go in what they call a leper colony. You have to live with these other lepers outside of the camp. Now, let's go a little bit step further. They had parameters for how close you could be to people. And it kind of varies if you look historically, but basically you were supposed to, if you got within 50 paces of somebody. So in other words, if I was like to the end of the back of the room from anybody else, I had to yell at the top of my lungs. You ready for this? Unclean, unclean. Basically, I'm nasty. I'm gross. I'm disgusting. Stay away from me. Now, in a culture like today, where you're supposed to feel good about yourself, how are you going to be feeling good about yourself and doing okay if you're yelling to everybody, gross, nasty, I'm disgusting? Listen, forget about your hair. Forget about the clothes you're wearing. You're announcing to everybody, stay away from me. I'm disgusting and gross. Not too good for the self-confidence. To the point where it says if you enter the person's house, it's immediately considered the whole house unclean. And they got to go through these seven-day rituals of purifying the house. If you sit under a tree and somebody else walks under that tree, they have to go through these cleaning processes for seven days before they can be back in the community. This man is yanked out of society. Any interaction with anybody else is from a distance and he's yelling how gross and nasty and disgusting he is. Let me just think about this. This man hasn't touched or come in contact with another human for years. Some of you have boyfriends and girlfriends. Some of you are hoping you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, okay? I have a wife. I love to cuddle with my wife. I like to hug her and kiss her, and the kids disgust the kids. I don't care. It's my wife, all right? Could you imagine not kissing your spouse or your girlfriend or boy? You're not so, uh, yeah, okay. If you imagine not kissing your boyfriend or girlfriend forever, you're yanked out of that, it's done, it's over. So there's physical pain, there's social pain. And then one that's often not talked about is there's spiritual pain. The word for leprosy in the Hebrew language is to strike. And the word literally, or the application and implication was that God literally struck you with this disease. God must have hated you so much that he gave you this horrific disease. So not only is this man in incredible, excruciating physical pain, socially, he's in incredible pain and suffering. He can't be around anybody he loves or cares about. And every time he's got to speak, he's got to yell out at the top of his lungs, I'm gross, disgusting, stay away from me. And now, thirdly, 
God hates me so much that he struck me with this disease. So when it says a leper came to Jesus, all of that is the backstory. This guy's hurting. This guy's suffering. He's going through a lot. Back to our story. As you're taking notes, number one, Jesus saw this man's condition. He knows all this guy's going through. It was more than just something physical. He was going through a ton of stuff, socially and spiritually as well. And it says, while he was in this city, there was a leper full of leprosy. And he falls on his face and he begs him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Number two, Jesus compassionately addressed the man's condition. Jesus compassionately addressed the man's condition. He saw what he was going through. He saw the pain. And the gentleman says to him, he says, if you are willing, if you would just be so kind, I've heard that you do miracles. I hear that you do incredible things. If you would just be willing, you can make me clean. Interesting, the word that he uses here is not, you can heal me. He says, you can make me clean. See, this man isn't just wanting physical health. He wants all of it to be restored. He wants to be able to be with his family. He wants to be with his friends. He wants his relationship to God restored. You can alter this. You have the power to change not only my physical state, but you can also make my relationship with God right again. Would you just be willing? And notice what the passage says. It says, Jesus, and in this text it says he stretches out his hand. In the count in Mark and in Matthew, it has another phrase that's put in there. It says, Jesus had compassion on the man. The idea is Jesus' heart broke for this guy. And there's kind of a misunderstanding here. It says he stretched out his hand. Now, I'm going to use one of you two because you're like right front and center, which I'm glad. That's kind of bold, right? Like you're like in the spit zone, all right? Like usually third row back, that's pretty safe, right? Because you usually don't get showered too bad out there. But you guys got right in front, so you're going to be my illustration, all right? What's your name, sir? Torin. Torin? That's a cool name. I like that. I've never heard that one before. Jared. Jared? Torn and Jared. I'm going to pick one of you. Paper, rock, scissors. Ready? One, two, three, go. You're not doing it, Torn. You, you two have to do it. Okay? No, no, no. I'm doing it kind of to show you. All right. So you lose. Okay. Torin, you're going to be my example. All right? So, Torin, you can stay seated for a second, and then you're going to get up in a second. Okay? So in the passage, it says Jesus stretched out his hand. And you're probably thinking Jesus like went like this number and touched him. Okay? Especially because this dude is nasty and gross and he's got leprosy everywhere. All right? So you're probably thinking like, 
First of all, the fact that he would just do that is incredible. All right? You're supposed to stay like way, 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 way far away. But that's kind of a misunderstanding of what's happening. Torin, come on up, buddy. All right. So Torin's up here. Now, remember, I am married, okay? So don't creep out here, okay? All right. So the passage does not say he touched him like this. That's not what's actually happening. It actually says Jesus embraces him. Okay, I'm going to go this far with you. Okay, if you were my wife, I'd give you a big hug. But uh, you're going to get the side one, all right? So Jesus, it says in the passage, embraces the man. That's really the real reading. Now, Torin's a little freaked out right now, okay? And rightly so. All right, you've never seen me in my life. All right, but um, hey, we're brothers in Christ, right? Okay, so yeah, it is. All right, so at the end of the day, Jesus is not just touching the man. He embraces him. I want you to think about this for a second. This guy hasn't been touched by another human being in years. Come on, you gotta see. Good work. Give him a round of applause. Like that was that was, you know, that was like kind of dramatic for, for Torian. Alright. What's that? <laughs> so the point is, is what happens in this passage is Jesus doesn't just touch this man. He embraces the man. Guy hasn't been touched in years. And think about this. The God of this universe, the God of the universe in flesh, hugs this gentleman, embraces him, and says, I am willing. You be healed. You be cleansed. So number one, Jesus saw the man's condition. Number two, Jesus compassionately addressed the man's condition. He touches him. He embraces. He shows compassion on this guy. Where everybody else cringes in disgust, Jesus reaches out in love and embraces. And then number three, Jesus completely cleansed the man's condition. It says here that he says, I will be clean. And notice what it says in the next phrase. And immediately... The leprosy left him. All of it. Any digits that had fallen off. Any skin issues, hair falling out, whatever. Completely restored. Completely cleansed. And not just physically, but the God of this universe embraced this man, hugged him, and said, you are restored to me. Immediately, he was fully cleansed. Now let's talk practically for a second. If you know Jesus as your Savior, and he has saved you, there was a point in time that you came to him and you said, I can't do this on my own. I can't save myself. I need you to cleanse me. I need you to take away my sins. I need you to be my savior. And Jesus responded in revulsion and said, get away from me. Is that what happened? Same thing happened to you that happened here. The God of this universe completely cleansed you, embraced you, and said, you are now mine. You are precious in my sight. 
And the Bible says that we were once aliens and enemies. Excuse me. And now we are children of God. We went in that one moment when Jesus saves us, when Jesus cleanses us, when Jesus restores us, we went from an enemy of his, deserving of hell and the lake of fire. By the way, you're going to hear in culture today that those are not real places. Yes, they are. Stop listening to the crap that is thrown out by secular culture. I'm dead serious. This culture needs to wake up and realize there is coming a day of judgment. It is real. As you are sitting here, there are people right now burning in hell. That is true. That is real. What our culture is trying to sell you each and every day is you do not have a creator. You do not have a judge. You don't have anybody who's bigger and that you are responsible to. You just make all the choices you want in life. And at the end of it, if you did a pretty good job, you're going to be okay. I'm going to tell you right now, that is straight out of the pit of hell. And that is straight a lie of Satan. Seriously. There is a real place called hell. There is a real place called the lake of fire. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will burn there for all eternity. Well, I don't like that kind of preaching. I don't care. Somebody needs to warn you. That is coming. And your place, your state needs to be altered. And Jesus cleansed you if you know him as your Lord and Savior. And he reached out in love to you and me and embraced us and changed us from enemies to now his children. And what awaits us is more wealth and riches and glory than you can even fathom. It says in the scripture, we are joint heirs with Christ. In other words, all the wealth and peace and happiness and all of that that comes and is due to Jesus, we receive that too. You talk about a change of state. We go from enemies to children. Now, this whole passage in my question at the beginning is, do you see people the way Jesus sees people? And I startled you there a few minutes ago talking about hell. Do you realize that the person sitting with you in class is on their way there? Do you realize that your neighbor is on their way there? Do you realize that one of your family members that you know and love, if they don't know Christ, is on their way there? Now, here's the challenge for us. They're not going to hear about Christ on the news. They're not going to read about it in Sports Illustrated. And they sure as 
are not going to hear about it when the Super Bowl is broadcasted in a couple weeks. How are they going to hear about it? You can answer this part. How are they going to hear about it? Torin, you are hidden in and out of the park. But I need somebody else to step in here. Okay. Jared, you felt bad. You lost rock, paper, scissors, didn't you? Okay, so Jared hit it out of the park, all right? We are going to be the one to tell them. That falls on us. Remember that sphere of influence? That's our responsibility. I'm going to share with you a very startling and sad verse of Scripture. The end of Revelation, it talks about what the future destiny is of all people. And it talks about that those that we will all stand before two, one of two judgments. Everyone in this room, Christian or non, we're going to stand between one of two judgments. The first is for Christians. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And it's a positive judgment. You may have heard before that God's going to put his big screen up and he's going to broadcast all your sins. That's not what's going to happen. Okay? Because if you're responsible for one of your sins, where do you go? Hell for all eternity. What the judgment is, is it's a reward for those things we've done for Christ. Where the judgment falls in is if I didn't do enough for Christ. But there's a second judgment, and these are for people that don't know Jesus Christ. And this is the, this is the hard one. It's called the great white throne judgment. And everybody who does not know Jesus Christ will stand before that judgment. And books will be open, it says. And in the books is all the things you've done in this life, all your deeds and sins and all of this stuff. And then another book is open, it says in Revelation, it's called the Book of Life. And everyone who knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, their name gets put in that book. So your and my name is in that book. What's going to happen is they're going to pull open these books of all the sins they've ever done. Let's just be frank. A lot of people go, I'm a good person. No, you're not. If you would count up every sin you've done, we're talking tens, if not hundreds of thousands of sins. Every time pride kicked in, every time you thought an evil thought, every time you lied, every time you stole, any time you dishonored your parents, any time you took the name, Lord of the, name, the name of the Lord in vain, all of these things get recorded. And it says, if their name is not found in the book of life, they will be what? Cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. And it's interesting. One of the things we talk about when we talk about heaven, for those of us that go there, there it, the idea is there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more crying. And we get that because it says he will wipe the tears from their eyes. Now let me share with you something that you may never have thought of before. The, the verse, he will wipe the tears from their eyes, actually occurs after the great white throne judgment. Why? Because every one of us in this room will also be president at the great white throne judgment. Though we won't be judged, we will see those that are. And there may be co-workers. 
There may be neighbors. They may be family members that look at you and go, why did you not tell me? And I'm going to tell you right now, there is no hole deep enough where you can crawl. Well, I didn't want to get picked on at school. You're gonna, I'm going to burn for all eternity because you were afraid that you were going to get picked on at school. Well, I just was embarrassed to share with you my faith. So now I'm going to burn for all eternity. I think there's going to be a lot of tears shed at that moment. And Jesus says, after the event, before eternity for us, he will wipe the tears from our eyes. Folks, you have a limited time on this earth. I know you're young. I know you think you got all the time in the world. There's a lot of people that drive home thinking, I've got 60 years ahead of me and get hit by a car or some tragic illness. I just came to a funeral very recently of a gentleman who was 33 years old, a good friend of mine, got brain cancer out of nowhere and died. We don't know the time we have. You may, and I hope, I hope you got 40, 50, 60, 70 years. I do too. I hope I got 40, 50, 60, 70 years. We have no idea. But I have a limited time to share my faith with those around me. Do I even see people the way Jesus sees people? Do I care for my friends like Jesus cared for this stranger? Am I telling people about Christ? This morning, I wanted to challenge your heart. You're probably going, good night. We got two more weeks of this kind of a beatdown. Okay. That was the point of today. We need to think through this. Do I see people the way Christ sees people? And you may be asking, how do I go about doing this? That's the next couple. But do we have the right heart mindset? Do I see people around me as lost and on their way to hell? I think if we're honest with ourselves, I think we very rarely do. We need to change our perspective. In a moment, I'm going to have a word of prayer and then we're going to break into groups. Do you mind putting the slide up? I'm going to ask you a couple questions for you guys to talk about. Give them a second or two to load said slide. You got one, Noah? It's coming. That's not the slide. Okay. <laughs> part A, part B, part B, what is it? No, okay. All right, I'm going to ask you three questions. In a moment, what do you do, Noah? You break into groups around here? You guys know what you're doing, right? Yeah. All right, here's your questions. What holds us back from seeing people the way Jesus saw people? What holds you back 
Two, what practical steps can we take to change that perspective? We need to talk about perspective. What can we do now to change that perspective? And three, what specific ways can we reach out and love to unbelievers this week? Let's not talk hypothetically. Let's talk tomorrow. What can you do practically to a neighbor, a student in class, something that will show the love of Jesus Christ to them? All right, let's have a word of prayer. And then we'll break into groups and discuss these things. Lord, we thank you for our time together this morning. Lord, we thank you for the story of Christ and how he saw this man totally different than so many other people around him saw this person. He reached out in love and grace and mercy to this man. Lord, forgive us when we do not see people around us as lost, as hurting, as in pain. Lord, help us and forgive us for seeing people and not seeing things through our internal perspective. So often we just live for the here and now and what's going to happen tomorrow and the test I have and the clothes I need to get and this and that and the other. And we don't even think about eternal things. Forgive us for that. And Lord, help us practically to change the way we view the lost. May we see the lost as they truly are in need of a Savior. And may we carry that message with us each and every day. So Lord, be with us in our discussion time now. May we challenge each other's thinking on these things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.